All right, so um, chart time as always. Um, so uh, chapters 13 through 23 um, deal with 10 different oracles against foreign powers. And so I, being the person I am, I have to chart these things out and see them, etc. And so here are the, the verses that introduce who the oracles are against. And so chapter 13 goes with Babylon, 14 with the Philistines, Moab, Damascus, Egypt, the wilderness of the West, Duma, uh, Arabia, the arena of spectacles, and Tyre. Those are the 10 oracles that are presented against foreign powers throughout these chapters. And I think that these are very interesting to compare and contrast and look at. And I also took the time to look them up on the map and, and get them all uh, kind of uh, mapped out here. The wilderness of the West, I am not entirely sure. Uh, I need to dive in more to it, but it seems like it's somewhat referring to Assyria as a whole. And so I kind of put it up there, but that could change. I'm not entirely sure. And then the arena of spectacles, it's talking about, uh, mostly Greek principles. Uh, this is way before the Greeks um, take over or are in power, but I didn't know where to put it. So I kind of put it up there um, uh, in that island uh, next to, to Greece there. So those two are kind of uh, rough ideas, but um, this kind of gives us an idea that Jerusalem is surrounded by all of these foreign powers that have different issues, uh, different uh, influences on Judea as a whole, and um, uh, they're all getting attacked or destroyed or judgments brought about uh, upon them in different ways. And I think that those are very interesting to compare and contrast against, one, the, uh, the seven churches that um, uh, after uh, Christ's um, death and, and the, the destruction of Jerusalem. Um, they talk about where the gospel goes to the seven churches, etc. Uh, a lot of these kind of fit in um, there. I haven't done the deep study to actually do the work and, and connect all those in together, but that might be a fun study. And also um, these 10 uh, match up fairly closely to the, the 10 plagues of Egypt. Um, but anyway, that, that's just kind of a, a chart. Hopefully it helps you. Like it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's helping me get more homework uh, for myself. <laughs> uh, when I listed those out, I, I seen lots of different connections that I want to try to explore and, and go down those avenues. Um, but anyway, let's, I would love to um, go down. Isaiah 19 is an oracle concerning Egypt. And so Egypt uh, throughout the book of Isaiah refers to the United States. So Egypt is this foreign power for Jerusalem that is basically the, the head of the, the known world at that point up until uh, Assyrian conquests. Egypt was the, the center of trade and commerce and political power and just everything was, was about Egypt, much like America is that role in uh, these latter days. So I wanted to read through Isaiah chapter 19 with that kind of in mind, and I want to uh, just kind of read through it, and I'll substitute out Egypt for either the United States or America um, as it works through there. And I think um, we'll, we'll have a lot of discussion. I know me and my mom did when we read through it uh, the other day uh, doing this. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll just go ahead and start. So it says, an oracle concerning the United States. When Jehovah enters the United States riding on swift clouds, the idols of the United States will rock at his presence and the Americans' hearts melt within them. I will stir up the Americans against the Americans. They will fight brother against brother and neighbor against neighbor, city against city and state against state. America's spirit shall be drained from within. I will frustrate their plans and they will resort to the idols and to the spiritist and to the mediums and to witchcraft. Then will I deliver the Americans into the hand of a cruel master. A harsh ruler will subject them, says the Lord Jehovah of hosts. The waters of the lakes shall ebb away as stream beds become desolate and dry. The rivers shall turn foul and America's waterways recede and dry up. Reeds and rushes 
shall wither. Vegetation adjoining canals and estuaries and all things sown along irrigation channels shall shrivel and blow away and be no more. Fishermen will deplore their lot and anglers and canals bemoan themselves. Those who cast nets on water will be in misery. Manufacturers of combed linen and weavers of fine fabrics will be dismayed. The textile workers will know despair and all who work for wages suffer distress. The ministers of Washington DC are utter fools. The wisest of the president's advisors give absurd counsel. How can you say to the president, we ourselves are as wise as the forefathers? Where, where are your wise men indeed? Let them please tell you if they can discern it, what Jehovah have host has in mind for America. The ministers of Washington DC have been foolish. The officials of New York deluded. The heads of state have led America astray. Jehovah has permeated them with a spirit of confusion. They have misled America in all that it does, causing it to stagger like a drunkard into his vomit. And there shall be nothing the Americans can do about it, neither head nor tail, palm top or reed. In that day, the Americans will be as a woman, fearful and afraid. At the brandishing hand, Jehovah of hosts wields over them. The land of Judah shall become a source of terror to the Americans, all reminded of it shall dread that what Jehovah of hosts has in store for them. In that day, five Hebrew-speaking cities in the land of America will swear loyalty to Jehovah of hosts. One shall be known as the city of righteousness. In that day, there shall be an altar erected to Jehovah in the midst of the land of America and a monument to Jehovah at its border. They shall serve as a sign and testimony of Jehovah of hosts in the land of America. When they cry out to Jehovah because of the oppressors, he will send them a savior who will take up their cause and deliver them. Jehovah will make himself known to the Americans and the Americans shall know Jehovah in that day. They will worship by sacrifice and offerings and make vows to Jehovah and fulfill them. Jehovah will smite America and by smiting heal it. They will turn back to Jehovah, and he will respond to their pleas and heal them. In that day, there shall be a highway from America to Assyria. Assyria shall come to America, and Americans go to Assyria. And the Americans shall labor with the Assyrians. In that day, Israel shall be the third party to America and to Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth. Jehovah of hosts will bless them, saying, Blessed be America, my people, Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. All right. So what do we got there? Any comments, questions, discussion points that we want to talk about? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite insightful. That's what my mom said, too. She's like, whoa, it, it changes everything when you substitute in those words. Um. Well, I guess I'll pull it back up here on the screen in case we need to reference it. But um, so, I mean, we are seeing some of the effects of drought uh, throughout uh, at least the Intermountain West. Um, uh, you know, throughout the the Midlands as well. But uh, we can definitely see where it could definitely turn into some of these things where. Um, that the waters of the lake shall ebb away and stream beds become desolate and dry. We're seeing that in unprecedented levels of, of water tables around here and, and things, but it could, I mean, it's gonna get much worse uh, throughout America. Um, and yet uh, along the coastlines, they're experiencing quite the opposite, you know, flooding and uh, uh, things happening uh, that way as well. It's just interesting, this whole chapter, there's natural disasters, there's the idolatry and uh, resorting to, to witchcraft, etc. I would also, in my own opinion, put like priestcraft and stuff in there. Um, is burning, did it talk about burning all the fires? Uh, this chapter specifically didn't, but I know that there's other ones where it talks about Egypt and fires um, yeah, specifically, yes. Um, but in these 10 oracles, this one uh, is pointed directly to um, the, the waters and uh, the kind of commerce and, and textiles and, and things like that here and, and how absurd the leaders are. Mm -hmm. 
when you put New York in there. Oh, that that one, <laughs> I put it for Nops. I am not entirely sure on Zoan and Nops. So Zoan is kind of the, uh, it's very similar to Goshen where the Israelites lived while they were there in Egyptian captivity. Um, Nop is kind of the, the palace of the kings. That's where Pharaoh resides. That's where Noah, or Noah, Moses goes to uh, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. That's in, in Nop. So Zone and Nop, I, I just substituted in uh, Washington, D.C. and uh, New York kind of uh, tongue in cheek. I don't know exactly if those are perfect matches, but um, Zoan is, is definitely where the, the heads of government were um, to, to actually subjugate the people uh, of Israel. And so Nop is kind of the, the higher palace uh, area, uh, kind of the resort town of, of the, the noble elites. I don't know. Uh, it could be interchangeable there, but. Goodness. Oh, my goodness. But a lot of it sounds very familiar to us in America, does it not? <laughs> I mean, the, the ministers have been foolish. They, they talk about the, uh, the founding fathers. <laughs> Um, uh, we ourselves as wise as the, the first rulers, the founding fathers, we know better than they do. They didn't know what kind of struggles that, that we're dealing with now. They didn't have all of the, the social issues and, and things. They don't know what they're talking about. Let's, let's do away with the constitution. Let's, let's rebuild it kind of thing. Uh, and I, anyway, <laughs> the, the Lord really, uh, told Isaiah exactly, uh, about our day, it seems like. Uh, throughout all of this. Um, but yeah, this spirit of confusion, I, I feel that this is, is very pertinent to 2020, 2021. Uh, I mean, we're just kind of almost a, a scattered sheep. Nobody knows exactly what to trust anymore. We're just kind of in this limbo of, I don't know, do we get back to normal? Do we go back to, to the way things were? Do we move forward? What do we do? I don't know, they're whipping it back the other way. Uh-huh, yeah. It's just this utter confusion. And it staggers like a drunkard in his vomit kind of thing. Like, yeah, we, we go back to some of our, our stupid old habits versus uh, taking this and, and amplifying it kind of thing. Well, when you look at 9-11, we all pulled together, but it didn't last for very long. Yeah, yeah, exactly didn't last for, for very long at all. We barely even talk about it anymore. Cameron, did you try and identify the five cities? <laughs> I did try, but I haven't. And what is that language? Mm -hmm. Let's pull that up. Let's see. Oh, right there in verse 18. So in that day, five Hebrew speaking cities in the land of Egypt will swear loyalty to Jehovah of hosts. One shall be known as the city of righteousness. City of righteousness always has allusion to um, Zion, uh, that principle there. So I, I assume that, um, that that new Jerusalem Zion city will at least have its foundations. I don't know if it's going to be fully populated by this time, obviously, but um, but at least that one will swear loyalty to Jehovah of hosts and become oh, a refuge there. In the, in the King James Version, it says the city of destruction. Oh, serious? Yeah. So Abram switched that to righteousness? Yeah, interesting. So when I click on it, it says that it is a pseudonym for Jehovah's end time servant who establishes righteousness among Jehovah's people and delivers those who keep their covenants with Jehovah in the land of Egypt. Um, so just that righteousness part there, but yeah. Um, so the King James reads, in that day shall five cities in the land of Egypt speak the language of Canaan and swear to the Lord of hosts, one shall be called the city of destruction. Whoa, that, that changes things dramatically. <laughs> I would totally read that verse in, in a different light and understand different things from it. But yeah, um, this one, one shall be known as the city of righteousness. Let's go to his commentary and see what he says on verse 18. 
Okay, so he says that five cities or city-states in the land of Egypt contain covenant communities of people who swear allegiance to Israel's God in the day of judgment. Rather than trust in human measures to counter threats facing the nation, these inhabitants turn to their maker. The existence of a city of righteousness in the land of Egypt alludes to the aff uh, affiliation of Jehovah's end-time servant, Jehovah's righteousness, with Egypt's covenant communities. As Joseph in Egypt served as a savior to his brothers in a time of evil, so does Jehovah's servant. Serving that name. So yeah, uh, he's definitely talking about five um, cities or city-states, communities of people that are, are righteous, not um, necessarily destruction. I, that would be very interesting to figure out why that was translated as destruction in the King James. And when you say they're covenant cities that that's that's the saints that mm -hmm. make covenants with in the temple and stuff yeah because what does it mean to speak hebrew it's not the actual language but it's the the covenantal language the ones that actually know how to access the powers of heaven through their language and you know president nelson's been trying to get us to to hear him and to to learn God's law so that we can speak it and actually access power kind of thing. I, I think that's very interesting. But as far as five, that's, that's a very interesting number. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what that means for us, if we have one that's Zion, possibly, I mean, whether you want to interpret that as the actual New Jerusalem in Missouri, or whether it be Salt Lake, I kind of doubt the Salt Lake reference there, but it could be, I don't, that could be one of them. Um, I, I don't know. That, that, that's well, in, interesting. Cameron, though, in verse 19, it says that there shall be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt or America and a pillar at the border thereof to the Lord. So I'm wondering if they are talking about the New Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, sure. that's very interesting there. Um, so the, the fact that there's an altar, what happens at altars, you know, covenants are made there. Uh, that's, if we look back at the, like Solomon's temple or the tabernacle in the wilderness, there's two different altars, right? There's the, the altar of sacrifice out in the, the court. And there's also the incense altar, the altar of atonement there in the holy place. Um, so there's an altar erected to Jehovah in the midst of the land of Egypt. You know, Jackson County, Missouri is kind of the midst of the lands of America. And then there's a monument to Jehovah or a pillar, I think you said from the King James, at its border. What does that mean? What, what purpose does a monument have at a border versus an altar um, uh, in the midst? Um, ooh, Interesting. I'm just taking a look at the, the, the old tabernacle there. So when, um, so Solomon's temple or the, the portable tabernacle, you have the, the courtyard in between the two altars, you have the, the doors that go in and there's two pillars on, on each side, right? There's uh, Boaz on one and, and Joaquin on the other. And there, those are the two pillars or the cherubim and flaming sword that we have to pass to enter into the holy place. Where the pillar in the King James Version versus monument here at, at this one, it almost seems like the reason that it's at the border is that people have to pass through those, pass through it or acknowledge it even to enter into, um, into the Americas. Like down here... Uh, a little bit it says that there's going to be that highway or uh, whatever from Egypt to Assyria etc and there's going to be uh, uh, interchange of people there and so they're going to have to pass by this um, this monument or this pillar that's at the border um, mm -hmm. to Jehovah to even enter into this this new land I listened, oh, I listened to Abraham's uh, commentary on mm -hmm. this uh, chapter and that highway he said is the highway that the 10 tribes yeah. on yeah i'm surprised he didn't have that highlighted that's what my thought was when we were reading this 
Hmm, yeah. And so let me go to the, sorry if that's too fast. So his commentary here, um, just as a temple was built to Israel's God in ancient Egypt by um, immigre Israelites, so one is built in the midst of end time Egypt, its altars denoting both atonement for transgression and consecrated offerings. A monument at Egypt's border suggests a memorial erected by Jehovah's people who dwelt there. Their serving as a sign and testimony reflects these persons enduring loyalty in spite of their falling victim to injustices at the hands of oppressors. Just as Jehovah sent Moses in answer to his people's cries in ancient Egypt, so he sends them a savior, his end time servant. Um, where does it? Makes you sure that he'll make our burdens light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like we're still going to have burdens because I mean, we're in the end times, but we're going to have them made light there. Um, so in regards to the highway verse, it says that a liaison between Egypt's covenanters and remnants of Israel's 10 tribes who went captive into Assyria results in the latter's renewal of their covenant with Israel's God. Ultimately, the highway called the way of holiness forms the way of return of the 10 tribes and of all Israel's tribes in their exodus to Zion, preparing the way for Jehovah coming to reign on the earth. In the end, the Egyptians and Assyrians who survived Jehovah's Day of Judgment become one covenant people. Interesting, yeah. That, that highway motif there. Well, you know, that kind of contradicts what Michael Rush says about the highway. Doesn't he say the highway in, and the great deep is like outer space? Have you read that from him? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, he talks about that. Uh, he, <laughs> he's a very sci-fi kind of uh, imagery with, with his interpretations. Yeah. Of very interesting to think about. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot to mull over in this, uh, this chapter alone. I, I'm just, my brain's just kind of going, trying to, to mesh in some of these different predictions or prophecies from different prophets and commentaries like rush and stuff and put them all together because there was another point when i was reading through it that i was like oh that fits a lot with um what michael rush said on, on another point but i forgot what it was all of a sudden um and and with daniel uh the book of daniel there's some interesting um points of, of connection there but i can't help but to compare it to to Egypt, like actual Egypt, because that's what it's um, alluding to here, and the the plagues and uh, the ten different challenges that that they face. Um, I was looking up the different plagues, and I found this fun chart here. I don't, I don't know exactly who it's from, or you know, I haven't looked it over for complete accuracy, but it has the different plagues, and it has the different gods of Egypt who those plagues were um confronting and uh different interesting notes one thing that i found interesting was a comparison that how many times a plague could have been duplicated by the egyptian magicians or uh, uh people of the court um we have the first two that at least it says on this chart here uh the water turned to blood and the frogs that those were able to be duplicated by the uh, Egyptian people uh, with Pharaoh. And then another interesting thing is that the Israelites are afflicted by the first three, but um, then beginning with the flies, God now makes a separation between the Egyptians and the Israelites. And so I, I wonder if some of these plagues or um, these, these 10 different afflictions here have modern day mirrors. And if we likewise will only have to experience the full brunt of three of the 10 versus the others, that if we're righteous enough, we will be able to not have to deal with the brunt of those others in a call out kind of a situation, kind of a thing. I don't know. I, I haven't fully dove into this, but uh, like I said, the the 10 oracles against the, the foreign powers that 
he's going throughout um, these chapters with, I think that um, there, there's a good link into the, the 10 plagues in, in Egypt there that, that might be very interesting to study. Um, let's see. Any other comments or questions on chapter 19? And we can- So chapter, oracles means plagues, is that? Oracles means um, anytime that thus saith the Lord to do something, that constitutes an oracle. So when a prophet is speaking by the, as if he were Jehovah, um, that means uh, that he is orally conveying what Jehovah would say. And so oracles are not always bad, um, but in this case, there's 10 bad oracles or judgments being pronounced through Isaiah from Jehovah to these, these 10 nations. So did those 10 things already happen in the past, so they're going to happen again? Uh-huh, yeah, so um, in, in Isaiah's time, yes, these 10 oracles happened to these 10 places. Um, the Babylon experienced the, the fire and brimstone, much like Sodom and Gomorrah. The Philistines experienced the vipers. Uh, Moab had drought. Damascus was cut down. So everything that yielded so much, it was cut down uh, by degrees very, uh, very heavily. So if you normally get 10 pounds of wheat, you only got one pound of wheat that year kind of a thing. Damascus was severely uh, inhibited. Egypt, uh, water and industry, uh, the, wilderness, uh, the wilderness of the West experienced war. Duma actually experienced a change of time when um, it was daytime at night and nighttime at day, uh, a full change of time there. Arabia had to deal with lots of refugees. Well, we have that happening today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we well, see really wow. and we have it ap actually happening from Arabia, you know, like some of these things are, are matching quite closely to, uh, to modern ones. Idolatry in the arena of spectacles and then Tyre. Well, we'll see Tyre a little bit later in Isaiah, but where trade completely ceases all over the world in one night uh, or in one day, I guess. But uh, literally, in less than a 24-hour period of time, all trade completely ceases. It did back then, and it will again today. But yeah, very interesting how these, these 10 really match up. In St. George, in Utah right now, they're having a grasshopper plague. Um, I wish oh. I have a picture, and I wish I knew how to share up but um las vegas the grass grasshoppers are coming up from las vegas and uh -huh. it showed in a smith's parking lot the shop shopping carts were just green with grasshoppers <laughs> it was awful <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember once when we were little we were driving back from maybe disneyland or something through nevada and wasn't there just a whole bunch of like mormon crickets all over the road or something like that i can't uh -huh. even remember the, and drivers hitting them you know or yeah i mean anyway, the road was just covered with smushed crickets and it and was it just, was just red like it looked like blood uh, it was it was really grotesque uh -huh. but that was a long time ago i can only imagine what it would be like now especially as the lord is is bringing back some of those those plagues from from egypt you know Yeah, very interesting. I, I don't know. In my garden, I have a lot of crickets, but, you know, it's nothing like plague level or anything, but I, I can see it. I mean, this year has been kind of an odd one. Um, so um, as we look at the, the 10 oracles, um, uh, we substituted in uh, America for Egypt. And, and we could likewise do that for the other ones through, through those. Um, but this whole section is divided with a whole bunch of oracles lopsided in the first part of the Bifid structure versus one solo chapter, chapter 47, in the second half of the Bifid structure. And so I wanted to kind of 
uh, read through that one and, and see what we got. Because this one is kind of the, the oracle against the composite of all of those others are put together in one solo chapter in 47 here. Um, let's see, let me just go through and, and read it. So get down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Squat on the ground, dethroned, O daughter of the Chaldeans. You shall no more be spoken of as delicate and refined. Take two grindstones and grind flour. Unveil, disrobe, bare your legs, wade through streams. Your nakedness shall be exposed and your shame uncovered. I will take vengeance and not be entreated of men, says your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, whose name is Jehovah of hosts. Sit speechless, retire into obscurity, O daughter of the Chaldeans. No longer shall you be called mistress of kingdoms. I was provoked by many people, so I let my inheritance be defiled. I gave them into your hand, and you showed them no mercy. Even the aged, you weighed down heavily with your yoke. You thought I, the eternal mistress, exist forever and did not consider these, or remember her final destiny. Now therefore hear this, O pampered lady, securely enthroned, thinking to herself, I exist, and other than me there is nothing. I shall not be widowed or bereaved of children. Bereavement and widowhood shall suddenly overtake you both in one day. They shall come upon you in full, notwithstanding your many magical feats and exceeding strong combinations. Secure in your wickedness, you thought, no one discerns me. By your skill and science, you were led astray, thinking to yourself, I exist, and there is none besides me. Catastrophe shall overtake you, which you shall not know how to avert by bribes. Disaster shall befall you, from which you cannot ransom yourself. There shall come upon you sudden ruin, such as you have not imagined. Persist then with your combinations and with your many magical feats at which you have exerted yourself since your youth. It may still be of use to you. Perhaps you can hinder it, but you are powerless despite all your tactics. Now let those who unravel the heavens, who observe the stars and make predictions month by month, stand by you and save you. See, as stubble, they are burnt up in the fire, unable themselves to escape the hand of the flame. These are no embers to warn anyone, such as no fire to sit by. This is what your procurers have profited you. Those for who you have exerted yourself since your youth, each deviates his own way. None is there to save you. So that's quite the, the chapter there. <laughs> I mean, uh, Jehovah really lays it out that how Babylon just builds herself up to this great nothingness. I mean, there, she really has nothing, but uh, she thinks she does. And, mm -hmm. and it's all taken away in, in one night. Uh, everything is, is gone, stripped, and um, uh, Jehovah's vengeance comes upon it um, very quickly. I think that that's very telling because chapter 47 is meant to be this composite of all of these other oracles are, are pointing to and put together in this one uh, great oracle, I, I guess you could say, uh, at the end, where it, it mattereth not how, what you did, what kind of um, disobedience you showed, uh, it's all the same end result um, where, where God will bring it down. I listened to the his commentary on this as well. If you go back up there to chapter, I mean, not chapter, but verse two, and it talks about those two grindstones, mm -hmm. um, that denotes that she's gone into slavery. She used to be this uh, mistress of the kingdom, you know, she used to be, but not anymore. And um, that the two grindstones says that's like slaves when that's how you have to grind your flour. That's how you have to wash your clothes at the streams and different things. And so she's gone into slavery here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if we take a look at any of the end time timelines, etc., um, that people are putting out, we we definitely see that right in every single instance. America or just Babylon as a whole goes into a bondage again. Um, and 
and we barely even kind of realize that we put ourselves there, uh, you know, kind of thing. Um, much like the Israelites, you know, where we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob has his 12 sons and Joseph of Egypt, etc. So they go down because of drought into the, the land of Egypt, which has bread, and the Lord provides and protects them for uh, a season until they forget the Lord. And all of a sudden, in the, the Genesis narrative anyway, it's almost overnight. And next thing you know, they're needing to be delivered out of bondage. You know, obviously, it didn't happen overnight for them because, I mean, it was over a, quite a period of time. But um, we have kind of a similar example where before you know it, I mean, this America is the great place. God set up the Constitution here. We have many great and important things for us here. But because of our disobedience, because of our um, unwillingness to uphold what was set out for us, um, which is another huge parallel. Uh, they went into bondage over a 400-year period of time. Likewise, we also have hit that 400-year mark here. And um, all of a sudden, we're, we're going to be, like it says here in verse 2, uh, taking two grindstones to grind flour and having to wade through streams for, uh, for cleanliness even, you know, uh, that, that bondage motif. Uh, no more delicate and refined as we have set ourselves up to be. Uh, I remember through like Daniel, uh, the prophecies of Daniel and Ezekiel, um, where the, the, this great eagle, right? I mean, so also Ezra's eagle, but um, this great eagle is barely hanging on. Uh, if you've seen James Prout's drawing where it has two feathers left, it's just ragged and, and crazy. And this lion comes out of the wood to, to finally destroy it. Um, it I, that's what I envision here in, in this chapter um, is kind of that picture. Let me pull that up really quick. Um, see if I can find it real quick. Yeah, so this eagle, the, it, it's, I mean, it still has kind of that haughty pose there, like, I'm all that, but, you know, it's, it's pretty <laughs> haggard, like, it only has two feathers left, and they're, they're hanging on for dear life, and this lion, representing the end-time servant, comes out of the woods to, uh, to pronounce the, the final destruction and burn her completely to the ground, and then eventually she can rise as a phoenix um, with healing in her wings and uh, become the Zion that she was always meant to become kind of thing. But um, this, this harlot Babylon imagery is, is what I see here in, in what we're reading in chapter 47. Well, in uh, chapter 19, it, it said that the reason for all that is has to go through that and then he'll heal. Are you oh. in are you in 19? Go to the very, very, very end. What's the last words? It's nope, that's not where it must have been in the commentary part. Oh, wait a minute. And there please it's up one more, I think. Oh, up, sorry. 22, I think 22. Okay. Sorry, I'm making you dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> right there. And he will okay. respond to their their pleas and heal them. Mm -hmm. But it, Jehovah it, it, will smite Egypt and by smiting, heal it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, we deserve it. Mm -hmm. it yeah, sure. We're going to get the justice that we deserve, but, and he's going to show mercy on us and yeah, the, the law of justice and mercy both are like this enduring principles, these enduring laws that are always in effect. You know, even in these, these end times, we might merit some of this stuff and have to be punished by the law of justice, but yet the law of mercy does come in to, to help heal us if we but acknowledge our, our Savior and and repent of our our deeds, he will 
heal. I think that that's that's huge. Um, let's see. So 10 minutes left. What do we want to do? Do we want to tackle another chapter or just kind of talk about this in general? Any questions or uh, comments that you have either on this or Isaiah as a whole? I don't know. What about King Hezekiah? Uh-huh. Yeah. What about him? Well, we talked about it last week and you were going to do some studies. Oh, oh, that. <laughs> My <laughs> okay. Um, Can I okay. mention something? Yes, for sure. Please do it. Whoops. Let's see, you're muted now. Just a second, let me. There you go. I think you should be good. Nope, you just muted yourself again. There you go. All right. Now, can you hear me? Yep. <laughs> okay. In chapter 22, when he and um, he's talking about coliseums and all these different things that take place in the arena of spectacles. Yeah. And I don't for a while now I've had this really weird feeling I don't know why I don't know what it is but I've had something thinking something's going to go on at the Olympics so when this all was he talking about this it was like oh my gosh this is you know all these bad things happening where the elite people all are this is the elitist of the elitist what is there right now you know and it kind of I don't know it kind of give me the a feeling of like this is part of something that's going on and then I happened to somebody had posted a video and I'll, I don't know if you, anybody else has seen it of back at the 2012 Olympics when it was in I can't remember where it was but the opening ceremonies are bizarre they are showing people in beds dead little babies that they've got up this like yeah the grim reaper i mean it's almost like a story showing what was coming up it's bizarre it is so bizarre wow interesting yeah i have i've never been into the olympics before me either ceremony and it is very disturbing yeah did you see that video yeah i did and someone showed it to me oh my son showed it to me recently it's bizarre and so when reading this but I had had a weird feeling about the Olympics anyway. Don't ask me why. I just felt like something bad's going to happen during them. And I don't really follow them either. I'm not like into that or anything. I just, they're hit and miss. But I don't know. It just kind of was, hmm. especially with all like the, the stuff that's went on with that, the, what are they, the gymnasts that have all been raped and abused. And I mean, it's it's in our faces yet we sit there and mm-hmm. everybody's like okay well it's okay they're good you know let's yeah. just not talk about it <laughs> yeah just don't talk about it and then it's fine <laughs> it'll go away we don't talk about it yeah. I haven't heard that but that girl that had to step down I can't remember her name I'm really bad about remembering things but it just makes me wonder if that's an effect of oh absolutely I I, I would bet it is she's been held to such a high high they were even from what somebody had said they changed the 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 critique for the numbering of how high you get and she wasn't going to get even as high because nobody can compete with where she is or I mean it was like wow you know mm-hmm. poor thing right well and her stepping down was the right thing to do so that she didn't cause any more damage and yeah that was repercussions from something yeah. but you know in that he had said that you know we they were taking precautions about different things, but nobody was looking to God and all of our protections come from God, not from anywhere else and all the bad behavior that was going on. And, and, and you gotta know there's all kinds of bad behavior going on. And, mm-hmm. and that's a huge arena of spectacle worldwide. It is. So yeah, so that's all I wanted to mention. So now let's go on to the Hezekiah. <laughs> 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 just before we, we leave there so like the 
uh, arena of spectacles that the Greeks do um, inculcate upon the Jewish people uh, before Christ and with the Romans after Christ as well. I mean, these are, are huge, gross iniquities that are being brought upon through sports and entertainment. And, uh, you know, uh, once you're kind of brought up in that lifestyle, there were many Jews that wanted to participate in the Olympics at, at the times, not the Olympics, but um, in in the sporting events, in the, the gymnasiums and, and stadiums, etc. But you had to be fully nude in order to do so. That was the, the Greek way of, of, of sports. And uh, so they, they didn't want to be recognized and stuff. So many of these young men were reversing their circumcision in order to blend in with the, the rest of the nude people, etc. And I mean, if we just take that one example, amplify it out to all of the other ways that uh, the sports and entertainment uh, ruined uh, a lot the, of the, the Jewish lifestyle uh, just prior to Christ and um, uh, throughout Christ's time. I mean, there are, I mean, the Lord just has no patience for, for sports and entertainment. It, it is an abomination to him in, in every sense of the word. And if you read in uh, Avraham's other books, he, he, he blankets it all into one. It's all Babylon, all sports, all entertainment, all movies, all TV, everything is a form of idolatry. And, you know, this Olympics is, is no different. I mean, it has its foundations in evil, and it's always continued on in evil. Um, I, <laughs> you say that to anybody that, that doesn't want to hear it, and, and you're going to get some weird looks, but uh, it really does have its foundations in, in Satan. Uh, there's no question in my mind. And, and here we have this oracle, Isaiah 22, proving it. Um, there's, there's many railing accusations against those that participate and even watch those proceedings. Elle um, has something in the chat. She oh. said, also this year's opening ceremony was very telling, possibly of the future. Oh, I didn't watch any of it. I haven't watched any of the Olympics this year. So yeah. I don't. I'm going to go have to read about it. I don't want to watch it, but I'm going to have to read about it. <laughs> and yeah, when, it when it was in um, China, when, what year was that? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Just kind of hearing some of the stories about how the athletes were owned by the government and to see the opening ceremonies there and all the, all the performers out on the field all at one time, all doing the same thing. Super mm. precision. It, um, it made me feel that a China invasion invasion of America would be super easy. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. I, I think it'll come very easily without us even mocking at it at all. Okay, so that being said, remind me on King Hezekiah. I, I know that I did my homework. I at least I think you I were <laughs> comparing him to President Nelson and the Rasband and. Oh, oh, yeah, that whole uh, strain of things. So, yes, with the, um, so Goshen, so Elder Rasband's talk on um, when they had the miracle at Goshen here in Utah with the filming, etc. Um, he talks about how on their drive home that uh, they got a text from Sister Nelson saying that as soon as we heard uh, we, we prayed for you that, that you would have the miracle that you needed or, or something. I, I'm paraphrasing it. But um, anyway, if you look at both Elder Rasband and President Nelson in that scenario, they, they form a composite of King Hezekiah and uh, of Isaiah. Uh, Rasband being Hezekiah and President Nelson being Isaiah in, in that scenario, respectively. And in uh, enacting Davidic level covenants on behalf of people. Um, one thing that Rasband was adamant about in his talk was that we needed the youth to hear these messages and we this had to go forward. There was, we needed this miracle kind of thing and um, what they received, etc. Um, there was no way that they should have power, but yet it was definitely a miracle because of an intercession on behalf of the, the people. Um, Anyway, so this that, is the the musical performance thing in Goshen, right? Uh huh. Yeah. 
you had the face-to-face -face and there's the, the musicians and performers, et cetera. There's uh, right. quite a bit there. So when I read about King Hezekiah, just something on that, some Jewish thing about him on the internet, mm -hmm. the way that, the things that he did, it made me think of President Trump. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, there's. Securing the borders and, you know, all those kind of things that made me think of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definite tie-ins with with political versus ecclesiastical in our days. Like, there's there's lots of great tie-ins there. It, it's interesting. I, I just want to get the bird's eye view of everything and, and see it in its clarity because I, there's probably so much more that I, we're not even grasping or, or catching on to quite yet. But um, all of the things that the Lord is orchestrating through these end times is amazing. Yeah, we have lots of help and and guidance through through all this. And as long as we're keeping our covenants and uh, living up to our full potential, our stature, or receiving the gifts and blessings that that will help us serve and minister to uh, to, to God's people is uh, is just crucial in, in this end time. Um, so we talked uh, about the end time servant a little bit tonight in these verses that we read. Do you mm -hmm. kind of have a picture of what this the role of this end time servant is there was like a destruction and rebuilding is that what we talked about that he would do uh-huh yeah so um as a, a seraphim level person uh he's in charge he's both the the right hand and the left hand in certain scenarios where uh he he participates in the destruction of of the wicked um the ones that aren't under the the babylonian side of things because that's the the antichrist that takes care of those ones um but then uh he's he's building zion but yet tearing down uh, the the babylonian infiltrations of of zion etc uh, he has such an important role to to fill um that's my actually my homework for this week that i'm going to be doing is uh making a, a list of all of the different bullet points or events or uh, things that the end time servant does. Uh, I'm going to try to get started on on that kind of a chart this week because I really want to just kind of get a, a bird's eye view of his whole mission, etc. We know that he's going to be marred beyond all recognition um, in when he goes from his son servant phase to his seraphim phase. Uh, there's a marring process that happens there as his descent. Um, he he'll have children. Um, they'll be fruitful and, and multiply. There's, I, I don't know, there's just so many different things that, that encompass his mission there. And I want to get a good chart of it because it's, I've seen one about the Antichrist or the Archtyrant and all of the things that, that he'll accomplish in his lifetime. Um, but I haven't seen one for this end time servant. And so that's what I want to try to formulate. What about timeline? It seems like they enter upon the scene about the same time, the art tyrant and the end time servant. Yeah. Is that how you understand it? Yes, for sure. And that comes from the first part of this literary structure, the ruin and rebirth principle. That's where we learn that everything goes in tandem. As soon as one rises, the other one falls and vice versa. When they switch, they both switch. I mean, there's no this one does it, and then 100 years later, then this one finally moves, etc. But because of one's righteousness, or uh, uh, ruin and rebirth, let me stick with the, the vocabulary that Avraham and Isaiah use. As soon as one starts ruining, the other one is reborn. As soon as it flips, then, then they do the opposite. And so they're in direct correlation with each other. They're equal opposites. So they're going to come on the scene at the same time. They're going to be doing the opposite things and, and flipping things around. <laughs> Did you have anything else prepared for tonight that we talked you out of? No, I honestly thought that chapter 19 would take up our whole time. And so that's all I had planned. I hadn't even planned on going to chapter 47, but I'm glad we did because that was a, a great kind of encapsulation there. Awesome. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> I never know what to prepare for, for classes. Sometimes we have a chatty group, sometimes it's not. And so 
uh, I was kind of underprepared this time, but it, it turned out great. I, I think we had lots of great discussion on, on 19 and 47 there. I think it's really interesting that these things have kind of distilled on me mm -hmm. over the years. And then to hear them again and to understand them better is really cool. So thank you for, thank you for all that you do. And I, I wish that I, my mouth could open and say these things and share them with other people. <laughs> know, that's what I'm working on now, trying to get it simplified and, and be not be afraid to, to talk about it and stuff. Like in our uh, Sunday school class today or whatever, we were talking about some stuff and I'm like, oh man, I really wish I could just talk about the Davidic covenant here because it totally fits in section 84, uh, yeah. but whatever. <laughs> well, I, I think that we can't because we'll lose, we'll lose people that are just mm -hmm. figure out just the basics. And I even asked the, the missionaries come over for dinner tonight and I asked them, I said, these people that you're teaching, you know, that have knowledge of um, Jesus and are they talking about the second coming? They're like, oh no, we just stick with the basics. We just stick with faith and repentance and baptism and hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and that's what our church is about. I mean, that's what it is about is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if that's the level that, that they're on, we have to, to meet them there and stuff. And um, it's just going to be interesting in the end times when things really start rocking and rolling where we have some major collapse of, of our normalcy, right? Even more so than what 2020 was. Or that's, I can see why we uh, kind of put away the fishers of men and, and go into the hunters of men uh, where we have to amp up our uh, missionary game, I guess you'd say. Well, I just kind of feel that people will be coming to us because they don't know where else to go and they'll have seen us because of our light and example mm -hmm. as yep. a place that may have answers. And, and I, I think we'll just carry them on our shoulders. We'll just hug them and say, this is okay. This is what's supposed to happen. This is the way it's supposed to be. It's okay. Just have faith. Mm -hmm. you know, repent. Just be baptized. These things are, you know, these are, this, is, this is what's going to protect you. This is what you need to do. And, and they'll, they'll feel the spirit. They'll feel the love and they'll have that peace you know through the savior that we're offering a, a window open to show them how mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, I guess that. because really explaining all these things isn't going to do anything it's already happening but that we already see these things we can say this is what's supposed to happen we know that there's deliverance we know that the savior will pull us through we know that he fed the children for 40 years food that fell from the sky, you know, manna and water came from a rock. It's okay. We have this faith. It's okay. Just have this faith with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that how you feel? Is that how you see it? Kind of? Mm -hmm. yeah. yes, I, I think that's a great way to describe it. We'll be the, those nursing mothers and, and what was it called? The father? I don't know. I think foster fathers and nursing mothers, but I could be wrong. Anyway, we hear, we've heard about that for years, but I think that's what that's all about. Mm -hmm. People are so worried I'm, about what they're wearing. I'm I'm worried about learning and understanding uh -huh. and seeing in faith. It doesn't matter what my clothes look like. It doesn't matter what I have to eat. I just want to absorb this so that I can, I can be there to catch my family and my friends and those around me and be that you know be that person that the Lord needs me to be whatever it is yeah yeah i appreciate you guys i love you all mm -hmm. yeah likewise <laughs> yeah you know, these groups are so fun to to discuss and just talk openly hash things out i know can't do that it, it, <laughs> can't even do that with our families <laughs> some of them half the time yeah. interesting mm -hmm. But it's it's nice to have like-minded people to talk to. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think we all have m very important missions uh, to perform here very quickly. Yeah. It's very fun. And I think understanding what's going to happen puts us in a position where we don't have to be afraid. And we go there with trust in the lord and, and help you know help others like she said mm -hmm. for sure
Yeah. All right. Well, any other final comments or, or things before we say goodnight? <laughs> Just thank you so much, Cameron. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we will see everyone next week. Another round. <laughs> All right. I'll Tracy, see hello. Hope you see her later. Oh, yeah, for sure. I will. I'll be asking her, why is she not on the six o'clock one? <laughs> Quit planning other things on Sunday. What are you doing? <laughs> All right. Have a great week. Thank yeah. you. Thank bye -bye. you, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>